0: again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. Uh, So many nice things were said about last week's show. Uh, This is episode 268. So last week was 267 from the great Mel Antonin. And it's good to see that he is in better health and you can hear that journey. I mean, that is quite a roller coaster ride dealing with a liver issue and COVID on top of it and all the different things that were going on. It was great to talk some baseball. So then I came up with this crazy idea. It's October. Why aren't I doing more baseball podcasts? We have to do more. Who else could I talk to? Uh, our gentleman, I know him as the former general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, but it was such an honor to be able to work with him at, when we were at MLB together back in the 2000s. And I've considered this gentleman a friend and he happens to have a new book out. Um, and it, it, it's an interesting book because It's all about his journey, and it culminates with a world championship, which Fred Clare won. And Fred Clare is with us now uh, from his home in Los Angeles, of course. Where else would the former Dodger GM be? He's in Los Angeles. Fred, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing this. How you been, man? Seth, uh, great to
1: be with you, and the... great memories of our time together and our ongoing friendship. So I'm doing very well and uh, just feel very blessed and, um, and again, fortunate to be able to visit with you today.
0: You were the general manager of the Dodgers from 1987 to 1998. Uh, glory years, no question about it. There were a couple of amazing years in the midst of that. Uh, but you also served in a number of roles with the Dodgers, and then you got into – started in pr and th- this book is called extra innings fred Gert- clare's journey to city of hope and finding a world championship team tim madigan wrote it and it's uh, it is it's an interesting take on just your history and your story how you started in the media and i just love that because i know how it ends not that your journey is ending, but that I know the, the, the full circle nature of it, because when you left the front office, you got back into the media. And I, I just always found that because that's how I know you. Well, I
1: wanted to stay connected with the game, Seth. And uh, so the opportunity to um, do some work for MLB, uh, the radio shows, the Internet. Uh, the columns uh, kept me um, connected and that truly has been a um, a blessing and to continue with the friendships, continue with my love for the game. So I feel very fortunate that um, the opportunity was there and other opportunities in um, baseball, though not working for a major league club after the Dodgers, uh, being associated with uh, several ventures, uh, including baseball analytics and other areas uh, that have been very um, enjoyable uh, to me. I didn't, I didn't re- realize, you know, I, I haven't followed the game all that closely this year, but these um, uh, best of the three series are going no, to be incredible.
0: Awful. No, but, but it's you know, the it? Division winners, the division winners should not have to play 3 games. Well, no, that they, I, didn't real, I
1: didn't even realize it, Seth. But you know it's what's interesting? Grab, it's
0: a money grab. It's, yeah. it's, they're, they're crying poverty, and I'm sorry, but if you look at the books from 19, 18, 17, 16, they're, they're, they're doing fine, and they can take a financial hit, and they did this for a money grab because the oh, yeah. network's offered it. It's so much t- – I mean, the Dodgers, with the record they have – They have a three-game uh, series with the Brewers. Yeah. So stupid. I'm sorry. It's so dumb.
1: No, you know, but what I, did, but the point that I was going to make, Seth, is there have been uh, four best of three series uh, in the history of the game. All of them have involved the Dodgers.
0: <laughs> of course they have. Of
1: course. <laughs> 46, 51, 59, 62. But I, I, I hadn't realized that, Seth. Um, but uh, but it is what it is, as someone once said. And um, we'll take it from there.
0: What about the idea that you came into this sport and what was it about baseball that appealed to you the most? You're in LA. Um, there's so many things out there that it's, it's the glitz, it's the Hollywood. There are so many things. What, tell me about the, the idea that that was a franchise that you felt at home with. What was it about that place?
1: Well, it all started, as far as a relationship with Los Angeles, about as far removed as one could be from Los Angeles and the bright lights. It started in a very small town in Ohio, Jamestown, Ohio, population less than 2,000, growing up uh, a fan of baseball. Uh, my father taking our family to occasional games at the Field in Cincinnati and seeing my first game there uh, at the age of probably uh, 12 and immediately falling in love with the game of baseball. Um, I enjoyed playing it from the earliest days that I can remember, but to see Crosley Field, and my brother was a great Cardinal fan, so uh, when we would go to Crosley, we would, my dad would try to arrange it so he would see the Cardinals when they came to town. But that really was my, uh, where I truly fell in love with the game of baseball. And then my family moved to California in 1950 mm. and attended uh, high school and college here. But the journey really started um, in the sandlots of Ohio, Seth. And uh, the love for the game and uh, Crosby Field and the impact of seeing my first major league games was unforgettable.
0: And, you know, you're. A lot of times in this business, especially, I want our the younger listeners to know, like, there is something to be said for being in the right place at the right time. I, I've told this story on this podcast before. You know, my second year out of college, I was covering the Denver Broncos, and they won the Super Bowl. That's, that's not anything other than I was covering the right team because I had friends that were covering other NFL teams that didn't go to the Super Bowl, and they didn't get the same opportunities. And it was, it, it, it's doing that. And there's two scenarios. Uh, Red Patterson um, leaves to go to, to the Angels. Uh, they were the California Angels back then. And that's how you move into the PR spot for the Dodgers. And then, of course, Al Campanis. Let's do Patterson first. Um, you had been covering the Dodgers. It, 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 again, if any of the things I'm saying are incorrect, but you had been covering the Dodgers and you met everybody there and you got a, a gig, and then when Patterson leaves, you kind of move into the vice president position of, of public relations, and thus you now know everybody in the organization.
1: I had the opportunity, set to get to know the Dodger people in the spring of 1969. I had... Um, Covered the Angels for the Long Beach paper beginning mid-season in '68, and Ross Newhan, a Hall of Fame writer for the Long Beach paper, uh, moved to the LA Times. So to begin the '69 season, I had the opportunity to cover the Dodgers, go to Dodger Town, the to spring training, get to meet uh, everyone uh, in the Dodger organization. As you know, it's such a wonderful was such a wonderful place, Dodger Town and Vero Beach. Everyone is close. Everyone comes together uh, from the front office people, the baseball people, the minor league people, the scouts. A real unity. And then in um, July uh, of 1969, or a little before July. There was an opening in Public City, and I can remember um, writing a letter. We were about to leave on a road trip. I was covering the team. We were going to make a swing to the um, Eastern part of the country, Montreal, or not Montreal, but um, uh, New York, uh, Philadelphia, uh, and um, expressed an interest in the job. And in July, uh, I was offered the job to become the publicity director. That was 1969. And uh, a few years later in 1974, Red Patterson left his position as Vice President of Public Relations and Marketing. And uh, I was um, offered that position to replace Red Patterson. And so that was the continuation of my journey. You mentioned Al Campanis, And, of course, in um, 1987, a very um, sad chapter in so many ways, when Al appeared on Nightline and trying to defend the sport of baseball, in his own words, um, cost him his position. And that's when I uh, was offered the position uh, as general manager of the Dodgers uh 3 games into the 1987
0: season and now a message from our friends at bet online the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at a game this year although some of you might be you can still be in on the action at bet online bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures today. This week, the 3-0 Seahawks travel to Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Baltimore Ravens taking on their local rival, the Washington football team. The Indianapolis Colts take on the 3-0 Chicago Bears. And the Buffalo Bills travel to Los Angeles to face the Raiders while the New England Patriots take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. BetOnline, our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One. BetOnline to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag. And don't forget the promo code Podcast One for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There's something in, you know, there's a big section of the book and I don't want to give the whole book away, but it's very apropos in today's time with, with what has gone on with the culture and what social justice and all of the things, the movements that are going on right now. You didn't know Campanus was going on nightline. Is that correct? And nobody in the, in the Dodgers, uh, the O'Malley family didn't know. And, did you see it like everyone else? Were you just happen to be watching, and like when that morning happens, there the is the general manager position of the Dodgers literally the furthest from your mind?
1: I had no idea that Al was. This was after um, Al's appearance on Nightline was timed to uh, the opening game for the Dodgers in 1987. Yep. The 40th, I believe, anniversary of Jackie Robinson uh, breaking into the major leagues. Al did not tell anyone he was going on Nightline. So after the Dodger game with Houston that night, um, having no idea that Al would be making appearance on national television, no reason to stay up for that. And um, I awoke the next morning to pick up the Los Angeles Times Mm. and still see the story running down the right-hand column of the sports page and reading somewhat in disbelief about the statements that Al had made. And there was a, um, it didn't take long before there was a firestorm in Los Angeles over Al's comments, and um, after um, the second game uh, in Houston, it was a three-game series, or before the start of the third game, um, Peter O'Malley called me, and uh, he had asked Al for his resignation, and uh, Peter called me to say, Fred, um, you have to take this job. And so that was, I had been with the Dodgers for nearly 20 years. I had gotten to know everyone in the baseball part of the operation extremely well, Uh, had been in, in fact had attended a number of general manager meetings with Al, Um, had uh, gotten to know everyone uh, from uh, the scouts to the player development to of course the major league uh, staff and players. And so um, I accepted the uh, position, and uh, that uh, was my start uh, after three games of the um, 1987 season.
0: And I have to tell you, you know, my introduction to you, I didn't know the backstory when we met. I, d- I knew it. You know, I mean, I've known it for 15 years. <laughs> you know, I've known you for a while. But back then, I didn't know. And I remember talking to the late, great Daryl Hamilton about you and the comments that Al made hurt so many people and they were very, very hurtful. How hard was it for you to toe the line, to, to know that every word you say from at that point is going to be judged And that the microscope on the Dodgers organization was such a big deal that for you to be put into such a high profile position, yes, there are, you know, there are currently 30 teams in baseball and every general manager position is is unique and cherished, but you're the one who has, you're the one that's going to face the media. Al Campanis wasn't. And what a, what a line you had to toe and, I thought about when when I figured out that you were coming on the show, I immediately wanted to go there. Like, how hard was it to bite your lip and how hard was it to make sure that you represented the O'Malley's with class and dignity? How important of a job that was, much bigger than any trade you wound up making. And we'll get to those, but much bigger than any trade you made.
1: Seth, uh, I never ever uh, remember biting my lip. I don't ever remember, and there are thousands of recordings there, even having a feeling of tension in my voice. I had the confidence in myself and I had the um, the blessing at that time of nearly 20 years with the Dodgers. I not only knew Al Campanis, I knew Jackie Robinson. I was with Jackie Robinson at his last public appearance at the World Series in Cincinnati in 1972. That was 15 years before I became the general manager. I knew what the Dodgers were all about. Uh, I knew what Jackie was all about. It was one of the most um, was the greatest honor of my life and career to know Jackie. I had known uh, Roy Campanella and Pee Wee and Carl Erskine a friend today and Duke Snyder. So I I had confidence in myself that I understood the Dodgers and that um, I understood what the philosophy was. And uh, I understood uh, what we were about as a team. And uh, the, the, the thing that where my focus was, was that I have a tremendous obligation here. I thought of the oh, obligation such an understatement, as much as I thought friend. of, quote, the opportunity. <laughs> but, but I, um, I knew there was much to be done because Seth, uh, we weren't a very good team. Uh, one looks at the record, they will see that we were 16 games under 500
0: in 86. Yep. Oh, okay.
1: And in 87, despite some moves that proved worthwhile in 88, we were 16 games under 500 again in 87. That's a long way down the ladder, Seth. Mm. We, we had to do a lot, and I knew the people, and I knew who I could call upon, and I knew the people that I could put my confidence in to help us get back to the top.
0: We'll get back to Sports With Friends in just a moment, but first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like Sports with Friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports... But to bring it to the superhero genre, we have movie reviews where we spoil the movie. No worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast, Let's talk about 88. Uh, you made the deal. You pulled the trigger. Uh, Kirk Gibson, Mike Davis, Alfredo Griffin, Jay Howell, Jesse Orozco. Um, these were major, major acquisitions uh, for 88. I remember in 88, the Mets were supposed to be great. You guys weren't. And you guys won that NLCS. And then against the heavily favored Oakland A's, um, you had that. And then, of course, there's, there's Kirk Gibson. And I wanted to ask you about... The conversations, you know, general managers didn't have as much to do in, 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 you know, now, now it's, you know, general managers practically fill out the lineup card, but you, you know, you were very active, you know, you had a great relationship with Tommy Lasorda and Kirk Gibson's hurt when he comes out, what is going through your mind and are you literally thinking to yourself, like, Tommy, you're going to get crushed for this? Like, <laughs> what, was, what was going through your mind before he gets that hit, that hits that home run? You know, uh,
1: it really, despite the, um, the injury and the injuries, really, that he had uh, suffered in the, uh, the series, uh, league championship series with the Mets, Having gotten to know Kirk very well, it was no surprise. Um, he, uh, it, it was more a reflection of, um, of who he was. Uh, and I, I knew how he loved, took on a challenge. So to, to see Kirk uh, come out, uh, it was so fitting and Seth, it would have been uh, it would have been a totally different story, but the condition that he was in to have come out and struck out or even pulled his leg muscle even worse trying to get to first base would still have been typical of Kurt. Oh.
0: That's
1: simply who he was
0: uh, and who he is. I know you're partial to Vin and I have to ask you about Vin Scully, but Jack Buck's call of that is still also magical.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And of course, um, with Vinny, bless his heart. um,
0: He called it for NBC. It just so happened to be the Dodger game.
1: Yeah, who um, uh, in his words, uh, no one wants to quote Vinny, but In the year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. Only Vin.
0: Only Vin. Oh, only Vin. Uh, When was the last time you talked to Vin Scully? How is he?
1: He is doing fine.
0: Uh, Joined Twitter. Is that true?
1: He is doing Twitter indeed, and he's having fun with it. Uh, He's enjoying it. He. The main reason he loves staying connected with the fans, that was so much of his life, always has been. And um, he was so kind in his um, words in the book and his support of what uh, the efforts that I've made to help uh, City of Hope, where I've had my um, assistance in my battle against cancer, and Vinny has been so supportive and so oh, wonderful. marvelous. Uh, and uh, he's a, a dear, dear friend, Seth, uh, and uh, just a remarkable uh, person for uh, all of us. Blessed to know him, whether it's to know him personally or know him by his voice. It's tremendous.
0: He, um, I only have one Vin Scully story, and it was just wild. Um, In 2014, I was traveling with the Mets, and I had a bone to pick with baseball because I thought the God bless America should be universal. I didn't like the idea that some teams did it on Fridays, and some teams did it on Sundays. And if you're going to honor America, honor America. Like, either do it every day or don't do it. That's your choice, but make a choice. Don't do it based on what calendar day of the week. And i was talking to a a a colleague of mine and we were not being loud we were not being anything and vince scully walks behind us and in vince scully's words and you sound so similar to him and you know that he he just walked over and i can't even do the impression but he said young man i couldn't agree with you more (laughs) he says why would you honor america on sundays only And I was just like, I was like a kid. You know, I, I'm not a rookie anymore. I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I'll never forget that. That was my memory. That's my my biggest Vince Scully memory, and I'll I'll always cherish that. Um, and I still agree. I, I I don't understand. You know, everybody always talks about now these anthems and the kneeling and all that stuff. I just if you're gonna play God Bless America, play it every day. I never understood that.
1: Uh, uh, It's it's so great to uh, see him. uh, He had a little fall, as he um, told his followers on uh, Twitter and uh, the LA Times, but has recovered from that uh, and is enjoying um, his connection to the fans. Um, And it's always there, Seth, as you know. with the right words and particularly in putting baseball and all of life in perspective. So it's just a treasure to um, for Cheryl and I to um, be close to Vin and Sandy.
0: That's wonderful, that's wonderful. Um, you've always been a straight shooter. Um, I remember hearing you on an MLB radio show talking about this, so I would love to get your take on when you make a move that makes all the sense in the world, but it backfires uh, Daryl Strawberry, we can talk about that trading Pedro Martinez when you did those deals, no one said, "What are you doing what you can't do that but man, history shows and you know some that that that's sports i mean that that's part of it um, your thoughts if you want to take those two or or any others. Just the idea of making something that, when you pull the trigger on any transaction, you were confident to what level, and then when it backfires, what's your reaction?
1: Well, uh, both of those uh, cases, uh, Seth, certainly more than worthy of discussion. With, um, with Daryl, uh, such a talent, as you well know, uh, and at the Daryl's age when we signed him, uh, really a, uh, a player who uh, is entering and at the peak of his career, incredible talent, um, but a, um, a player who um, had struggled uh, and, and there was an awareness of that. And a lot of times or when you're making a trade, you think that, okay, we know this players had uh, some off the field problems. Uh, But if we bring him to Los Angeles, we can give him the support. And for Daryl, it would be returning home, that um, he can be the player that he wants to be and that we want him to be. Particularly with Daryl coming from South Central Los Angeles. And at the same time, um, uh, when, um, uh, when we uh, had Daryl uh, thinking about what he could mean to uh, the city uh, and, um, but Daryl, um, there were too many temptations for Daryl and so when um, when things started to go the wrong way with Daryl in his life, and Daryl is a Dodger, uh, you just have to um, do what you can to assist the player, but accept the uh, uh, the results of that so um, i'd certainly had hope that Daryl would um, return to Los Angeles and become a uh, a great hero in Los Angeles it didn't happen. Pedro was simply a um, There was a case of someone with tremendous makeup and uh, an incredible uh, uh, inner, uh, the inner part of Pedro, the heart, the soul, what Pedro's all about. And there is a case, Seth, where you're trying to help your team fill a position, uh, but there's uh, no questions that proved to be a terrible trade uh, for us. And um, uh, the, the only part of it, when I look back uh, and think about it, um, I just um, feel so good in terms of all that Pedro was able to accomplish in the game and uh, knowing his family and his brother, Ram- Ramon. Um, but um, you, you, you own them, Seth. Uh, you, you, you make a trade. Uh, you own the trade. And uh, I think my record reflects that. Uh, I never ran away from any of that. Uh, No, you never did. I would call upon uh, our scouts. I would call upon uh, others. But um, the the only time you want to make mention of um, the contributions of others is when you have success. When you don't have success then um, you're going to, you need to, and I always have taken responsibility for it. So I'm happy to see that Daryl apparently, not apparently, but from what I see, He's, seems to be doing better with his life. Pedro yeah. is doing great. And uh, that's wonderful to see in both those cases.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, <laughs> I just remember you, you always had a glimmer, uh, <laughs> a smile whenever Pedro would do something. I think I was working with you when pedro uh threw don zimmer into the ground and you just chuckled and if if i'm if i remember correctly and i kind of do you just chuckled not because the incident happened but you i i know that kid he is a competitor (laughs) and i just remember i remember that um i don't want to keep you too long and i do appreciate your time um tell me about tommy lasorda and when I say that, he's one of the most intense individuals I've ever known. And I met him first on the baseball bunch. Like he was the baseball wizard, but he's so much more than that. Um, your relationship with him, tumultuous, roller coaster, there's so much there. How do you capsulize your relationship with Tommy Lasorda?
1: Well, I think of the start, I think of the um, friendship that we formed in the spring of 1969. When I was a writer, Tommy was managing the Spokane team. Uh, We became such close friends. We would go out to dinner. I would tell Tommy um, about my love for the game and how I had enjoyed playing the, uh, the game at the high school level as a kid. And um, that led to the day when Tommy um, challenged me to go in and replace Bobby Valentine at shortstop in the spring of 1969 at Dodgertown. So I think about that because uh, I have to think about that to keep all in its perspective of that friendship, that wonderful relationship, the fun times, to um, calling Tommy um, uh, a few days ago, about one week ago, to wish him happy birthday, number 93. And to think of all that he has accomplished and to think, Seth, about a moment that we were so fortunate to share. It's not often that um, you're in a position to help hold up a World Series trophy symbolic of what your organization has accomplished. And uh, Tommy and I uh, had that great honor in 1988. He's been so supportive of the uh, cancer journey that uh, I've been through. and. Um, In our last uh, tournament, uh, we raised a half million dollars for the city of Hope. In 2018, 30 years after that 88 World Championship, uh, presented uh, the trophy, the Celebration of Life Award uh, to Tommy because um, I wanted to give it to him because I wanted a quote on that trophy that is there. Uh, First year it went to Rod Carew because the quote is uh, from the great Jackie Robinson, a life is not important except on the impact it has on other lives. So I think of Tommy in terms of the lives that he has impacted in a positive way, certainly just as Jackie did, and just as we all need to do in these times, Seth. So um, it's been a uh, great journey And and I feel very blessed to uh, be able to continue with the uh, friendships and relationships from those years with the Dodgers.
0: And you you have so many. Uh, Two quick ones. Um, When Fox buys the team and officially saying, you know, uh, basically they pulled off the Piazza trade and... They pulled it off. I mean, the the Piazza to the Marlins was their deal. Um, again, you have a temperament about yourself. You handled it very, very well, and you didn't have to. Your thoughts on the professionalism that you showed, even when they didn't necessarily show you?
1: Well, they... Um... The Fox executives did make the trade, uh, totally made it in every aspect of it. And um, basically when I got the call the night of the trade, uh, they said, Fred, that basically you need to announce that uh, you've made this trade. And I said, uh, you know, you've uh, you, you got the wrong guy here.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, It's not as if I haven't made a bad trade, but if you think that I'm going to go before the public, uh, the media and, uh, and the public, and, um describe something that is not, uh, transparent, is not truthful, um, you've got the wrong guy here for the job. And, uh, as it turned out, of course, the trade couldn't be made uh, that night. Uh, Gary Sheffield had an old trade contract, but, um, you, uh, I, I think, Seth, it just um, fell in line with the um, um, as we started the show from my uh, childhood in uh, Jamestown and being blessed with great parents. Um, I was simply going to be very transparent, very candid about what had transpired, and uh, that um, ultimately was uh, a step that uh, led to my departure.
0: Yeah, uh, there's no question and elo- eloquently said, um, you mentioned cancer, how are you these days? And how have you dealt with COVID? How has that been in your world? You're in a hot spot, always, LA is always hot. And for many reasons. Um, tell me, uh, are, are you, are you well? Are you, are you okay? And you're dealing with all this nonsense?
1: I'm well, Seth, and uh, we actually, Cheryl and I and our family had kind of a um, uh, a long uh, preseason in preparing for COVID, because oh. in go- going through four years of cancer treatment, um, twice uh, because the cancer uh, struck me in the jaw, a little spot on my lip from days right. in the sun.
0: Remember. And
1: uh, twice my uh, uh, throat being cut to deal with the cancer, and the second time just last July, uh, taking the um, three doctors, wonderful doctors, cutting open my left leg to take the fibula bone from my leg to replace my jawbone. Uh, wow! So. Um, wow. And as part of that, going through not only uh, the cancer treatment, the the chemotherapy, radiation, immunotherapy. But when you go through that, Seth, you're pretty isolated in your your world. You're spending, Cheryl and I were spending so many days um, going through um, uh, chemo and treatments uh, three, four times a week to City of Hope for so many weeks. and uh, and then going through uh, hyperbaric oxygen treatment to try to deal with the um, oh, wow. with the cancer. So you you deal with that, and along comes uh, COVID, uh, and your schedule's now being controlled by something else. And uh, our schedule had been controlled by something else dating back to uh, 2016. So my, my feeling, um, is one of taking every precaution and, uh, and feeling very blessed. And I think those of us today who are fortunate to be here and to be in good health or reasonably good health should, uh, take every precaution and should feel extremely blessed.
0: I, I didn't know about the end the more recent and i i'm I'm so thrilled that you are with me right now and that you have this booked and and this came out because uh <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just so thrilled that I cherish our friendship that's all I can say we're far away from each other but i I cherish it and uh your story is 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 really fascinating uh there's there's no uh secret about that um the only the only thing I can say is now that you've seen what sports with friends can be like, <laughs> and how calm and and comfortable it is, you have to tell Vin. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, I've got an episode three hundred coming up soon. You know, just soon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how can people find you? Um, you're, you're online. You, you do a lot with Twitter. I, you're, you're well, online. I do. I, uh,
1: almost everything I do, the reason that I'm there on social media set is that um, I want to do everything that I can uh, to promote City of Hope and raise funds for City of Hope. All net proceeds from the book Extra Innings uh, that can be found on uh, Amazon. All proceeds go to uh, City of Hope. If one goes to Amazon and just Googles extra innings, Fred Clare's journey to City Hope and finding a world championship team, there are some very nice reviews that talk about the City of Hope. And the author, Tim Madigan, I think did a marvelous job, uh, Seth. And they're reflected in the reviews because when the discussion of this book came up, I said to City of Hope and I said to the author this book uh, needs to be a book about the City of Hope, about uh, this wonderful medical center, uh, about um, the doctors and the nurses and the others. And we can be the vehicle going through it, but this is not going to be a Fred book. That book was done a number of years ago. And I think the author, Tim Madigan, did a tremendous job. And weaving that story of, uh, of the City of Hope and the doctors and the others uh, with um, my career in baseball. So I, I can, um, uh, if one Googles me, that they will uh, find me. They will find me on uh, Twitter. And uh, I just recently uh, re-entered the Facebook world with only one reason, and that is to help promote the book and to help promote City of Hope because that's um, that's my goal of today, uh, Seth. And I uh, take on that challenge with um, all of the power that I have within my body and soul.
0: Well, I, I will put the links to City of Hope as well as to the book uh, on, uh, on, on the show notes. And City of Hope's link, cityofhope.org is on the back cover of the book. And like I said, especially nowadays, this is such a great story. And Fred, Claire, you knew uh, it's an iconic uh, legacy. And it's really, really wonderful to hear. Uh, and I, I really appreciate uh, you being able to do this. Um, I'll end this podcast the same way I do all of them. Uh, Fred Claire is on social media at... Fred underscore Claire. So if there's anything if you want to just get on him for trading John Wetland, I'm all for it. Just reach out to him directly and leave me the hell out of it. I want No part of it.
1: Very good, Seth. I, I, I welcome uh, all comments as always. And uh, great to um, have the opportunity to be with you once again, and uh, your mention of Daryl Hamilton, uh, the name in itself brought back so uh, so many wonderful uh, memories. So we've um, uh, we've shared good times, and uh, look forward to um, to that continuation.
0: That sounds great. It sounds absolutely great. That is Fred Clare, folks, and uh, this is another edition of Sports with Friends. We thank you for listening. Two baseball podcasts in a row. How about that? Uh, we will continue uh, next week. Who knows what's coming up. Uh, for all of us and for Fred Claire, my name is Seth Everett. Uh, this has been Sports with Friends. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be
1: available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and
0: smile. Count I'm gone, forget to reach by